Hi everyone, and welcome to another broadcast of Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. The friends are those of you that listen and support and pray for this broadcast as our desire is to get the Word of God in all of its beauty and all of its purity out to the people. It's like there's this famine in the land. Amos talked about it. A famine not for bread, but for hearing of the Word of God. And so we're going to be teaching you through the book of the Revelation. We're in chapter 19. Let me give you a review thus far. Remember, there's the Holy Spirit outline in chapter 1. That Holy Spirit outline says, Write the things which thou hast seen, chapter 1, the risen Christ, the things which are, and that's the church era, chapters 2 and 3, and the things which shall be hereafter. There's an interlude in chapters 4 and 5 where we see the glorious picture of heaven and heaven's administration. And then we see our Lord is opening the seven sealed scroll. And from chapter six, all the way through to the beginning of chapter 19, the tribulation is going on. The seven year period of trial upon the earth as God pours out his wrath upon the earth chapter 6 to 18. Chapter 19, though, everything's been dark during the tribulation. And in for all those chapters, 6 to 18, then at chapter 19, we begin to see some light. And the light that we see is the glorious four hallelujahs. And that's in the first portion of Revelation 19. We see the angels are saying hallelujah. The uh, host of heaven of believers are saying hallelujah. We see the living creatures singing hallelujah. And we see the 24 elders. So all of heaven is erupting in praise because Babylon has fallen the evil religious political system, chapters 17 and 18. And so darkness has now passed and light now emerges. So as we get to chapter 19 also, remember the church, the true believers have been raptured seven years earlier at the rapture of the church, chapter four and verse one, the things which shall be hereafter. So the rapture actually triggers the time period known as the day of the Lord. Not a one day period, but a time period, the day of the Lord. This seven year period is the time of Jacob's trouble. But we know that many, many, many Jews will come to Jesus as a result of the preaching of the 144,000. You say, well, I, 
I didn't think people would be saved during the tribulation. They will, but it will cost their lives. It talks about the martyrs that are have given their lives for the Lord. They refuse the mark of the beast, and the beast or the Antichrist will slay them. Chapter 6 talks about the souls under the altar. Once one receives the mark of the beast of chapter 13, there is no chance that they can be saved. So chapter 19, the four alleluias, we see also an event called the marriage supper of the lamb. Remember the contract, and that was Christ on the cross for us paying the price. And then the Bridegroom brings the bride home, the second phase, that's the rapture. And then now we must have a celebration. That is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we also discuss the second coming in glory of Jesus, where he doesn't come for his saints, but he comes with his saints. And and he'll be riding on a white horse, and we'll be riding on a white horse. The first one to come on the white horse is the pseudo-Christ, the Antichrist, in chapter 6. He's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So in chapter 19, we've had the marriage supper of the Lamb. Christ comes in glory with his saints. You can read about that in Matthew 24 in great detail, Zechariah 14 and Zechariah 12, where you'll see every eye will see him. Every eye will not see our Lord at the rapture. We're caught up to be with him in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18, Revelation 3:10, and other passages. So as we now come to chapter 19, our Lord comes in glory, and then all the armies of the Antichrist will fight against our Lord, but our Lord will vanquish them. They will be defeated. And that's another reason we can say hallelujah to that. As we get to chapter 20, we come to another major event, called the Millennium. These things are in chronological order. So chapter 20 is all about the Millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. So let's get right into the text of chapter 20. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Custom Construction with Will Shockey. If you need something built, a house, a barn, a deck, a church, whatever you need built, Will can do that with his great crew. Their phone number is 443-791-4420. So call Will at 443-791-4420. As we get to Revelation chapter 20, we're learning about the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. Verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, 
having the key of the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is where Satan and his demons dwell. It's the word for the abyss. It's talked about in chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, the, the place of all evil, the bottomless pit. He had a great chain in his hand. And so you see this image of a great and powerful angel, and you see him having a chain in his hand. There is a prophecy that goes along with this in Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. So look that up. Verse 2, and he laid hold on the dragon. Well, who is the dragon? Revelation 12 talks about Satan as a dragon. And he is called the serpent or the old serpent because he's been around for a long time and he began deceiving as he deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden. It says, and he laid hold on the dragon, finally, the one that's been causing all the mayhem, all the chaos, all the violence, all the injustice, all the brutality, all the terrible things that happen in this world, the one that's inciting all that is finally going to be bound. And so it tells us that he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and he bound him a thousand years. We know that Satan is like a roaring lion, 1 Peter chapter 5, Ephesians 2.12, or 2 and verse 2. He's the prince and power of the air. I think it's chapter 2, verse 12. I'm not sure on that one. That's just off of the top of my head. And then also he transforms himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 14. Now what does he do once he has him chained? And he cast him into the bottomless pit, the abyss, and shut him up and set a seal upon him. For our Lord is the one that has the keys of hell and of death, that he should deceive the nations no more. Did you ever wonder why all of a sudden a a nation will be like a hibernating sleeping beast. And then all of a sudden they're awakened and they um, start destroying the lives of somebody in another nation. Well, that's the devil's work because he's deceiving the nations. And it tells us that he's not gonna deceive them anymore till, he, because he'll be loosed one more time till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. Why would God do that? Because God wants to give every man an opportunity to decide what side he's on, God or Satan, good or evil. Now, as we get to chapter uh, 20 and verse four, and I saw thrones, and they that sat on them. 
and judgment was given unto them. Most likely, these are the thrones of the 24 elders that we talked about in chapters 4 and 5 and also in chapter 19. So it says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. The Bible says that we will one day be part of judging ourselves. Not judging ourselves, but we ourselves will be judging. It says, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Remember I told you that during the tribulation, if someone does not receive the mark of the beast, and they choose Jesus as their Lord, Savior, and Messiah, they will be beheaded. What a horrible way to die. But it talks about them for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. These are a group of people called the Tribulation Saints. Now, there are three categories of saints. We are all saints, but as believers, but there are the Old Testament saints. They looked forward to the cross. There are the New Testament saints, which look to the cross and look back to the cross for our salvation. And then there are the tribulation saints, those that will reject the mark of the beast, they'll reject his system, but it will cost them. And they can receive Jesus as their Lord and Messiah. It says, which had not these ones that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, they had not worshiped the beast. So here's how you know they're tribulation saints. They wouldn't worship the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So God resurrects the tribulation saints so they can enjoy the glory of that thousand year reign of Christ. It says in verse 5, though, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. I believe these are talking about the unbelievers. They were not raised for their judgment, which we'll see in chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, at the great white throne judgment of God. This is not the beam a seat, that's for saints. But for the unbelievers will all be resurrected and judged at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. They will be resurrected and judged. But it says the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So remember that we have the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, and we have the tribulation saints. Verse six, blessed and holy 
is he that hath part in the first resurrection. I think that's great how that we are the blessed people of God. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. We as believers do not have to fear the second death, or we do not have to fear Hades, we do not have to fear hell, we do not have to fear the lake of fire, because we are true, genuine followers of Jesus. It says, and on these the second death had no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Remember, it says we're kings and priests, and actually the translation is we are a kingdom of priests. What do we do? We worship the Lord. What do we do? We serve the Lord. What should we be doing now as a kingdom of priests? Worshiping and serving the Lord. So if you're doing those two things, you're doing on earth what you will be doing forever in heaven. Verse 7 of chapter 20, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So remember, he's bound at the beginning, and then he'll be loosed at the end. And what will happen is God is going to just give him his final death rattle. And it says, And he shall go out to deceive the nations. You see, during the millennium, we as believers will be centered around Jesus Christ, but there will still be a few rogue nations that will not bow their knee to Jesus. Satan goes out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle, the number of which is the sand, as the sand of the sea. In our next broadcast, we will talk about that. But for right now, we've learned some wonderful things, and I pray that you will just be thankful that you're a child of God. This world is getting really tough. A lot of disease, war, heartache, violence, we struggle with the economy, making a living, all those things that you battle with every day. One day our personal battle will be over and we will be with Jesus. I know we long for those days. There are many of you that are listening that have lost loved ones that are already with the Lord and you ache for them. Well, I want you to know that God wants you to just keep your eyes on the Word of God, keep your eyes on Jesus, and keep your eyes on the skies because He will rapture us at any moment. You say that sounds like some kind of fly-in-the-sky theory. It's not a theory. It's a fact that will take place. You say, why do you know that? Because the Bible says that in 1 Thessalonians 4. 13 to 18. Well, this is Pastor Earl for the program Faith Life with Pastor Earl and friends. 
And you can contact me through email or through a text at my cell. And the email is charisman, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-N, 1234 at gmail.com. And also, you can text me your prayer needs or requests, etc. at 386-795-8494. If you would like to see this program continue and to be advancing, and we'll just put it on more and more platforms, then perhaps at the Christmas time, you would consider a special gift to this broadcast. And if you will email me, I'll give you details on how to do that. Charisman, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-N-1234 at gmail.com or text me at 386-795-8494. If you've not yet received Christ as your Savior, this would be a good time. Let me lead you in that prayer. Pray with me, dear Lord Jesus. I am so sorry for my sin. And I repent of my sin right now. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I confess Jesus as Lord. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. And I want to be saved. And if you're struggling or suffering, let me pray a prayer for you, Lord. Be with those that are struggling, those that are suffering, those that need healing in their body. Touch and heal them in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Earl saying, I love you.